Planar Prob presents The Attic Monologues, episode 29, Active Passive. No ending is permanent. I feel I should remind you of this early on. The words, and they lived happily ever after, bring such closure to children, at least. They leave reassured that the world is set right, that good and evil is as simple as black and white, that once they find love, they will be safe from the wolves at the door. You and I know better. We have learnt that happily ever after comes with a caveat. Until they didn't. Until a new enemy rose. Until they realised they had no point beyond the narrative. Until one died in the other's arms. And every time we end the story, what do we do? We start again. We tear these characters away from their happily ever afters and throw them right back to the wolves. They never get to rest for long. Perhaps this is why I am so fond of tragedies. The characters rarely mind suffering when the alternative is being gone. If anything, my torture is a kindness. Hello, future Nicks. It's been a while. It's been busy. I don't even know where to start, honestly. My life is like, I don't know. Let's just say it's a good thing you're future Nicks because past Nicks would either have an aneurysm or throw me onto the streets. It's weird. Between running after all this plot stuff and rehearsing for midsummer, I don't really remember how to s sleep. Uh, but I'm fine, kind of. I'm enough in the vicinity of fine to be finding solace under its shade. I guess I'm just waiting, really, for something, like, spooky to happen. Something new. For example, I'm waiting for an NPC with lots of very useful information to approach me and give me a quest. Hi, Raven. Never in my life have I ever been so insulted. An NPC? I think you'll find I'm actually an integral character to the plot. Could you tell me everything I need to know, then? From what I hear, you're pretty well informed now. I'm sure the amount I actually know could fit into a teaspoon. At least you have the teaspoon, rather than the sieve. Hmm, yeah, great. So come on, tell me, where did you fit into all this? Whatever do you mean? Come on, dude. Do you do magic? If so, what is it? What's your vibe? How much do you know? All incredibly personal questions. 
Wait, is it rude to ask what someone's magic is? Is that like a faux pas? No. I can turn into a raven. Bro. I totally should have guessed that, to be fair. My bad. That's so cool! Can you do it at will? Can you do it now? I am not transforming into a bird in a public space just to satisfy your curiosity. Sorry. Can you imagine the health and safety violation? Ambrose would never let me back in here. Fair enough. More importantly, I feel like I should come clean with you. Oh? I was one of your monologues. One of the first, in fact. I don't remember you. I'm... I I might have been labelled under a different name. Corbin Blackwell. Oh! The pretentious one about fire and Icarus and stuff. I don't know if I'd call myself pretentious, but... But no, dude. It was literally so pretentious. You were out here... Referencing Frankenstein and Greek myths and advocating for arson. Don't get me wrong, the vibes were great, but pretentious. Incredibly. Well. So you've been back for, what, months, and one of your first thoughts was, let's freak out the protagonist. I was merely curious. I understand better than most how a narrative works. Maybe I thought I could help if you were worth it. What, are you another previous protagonist? You are? Oh god, I saw the name Blackwell on that shelf in the library, of course. You did what? Oh yeah, like all the narratives organised by protagonists, they just appear in the library when the author is done with them. Except most of them have been like half finished the last few years, like the author got bored or something. There were quite a few Blackwells there, actually, but I guess yours was the short one at the end. Um, you... Okay, dude? Yes, yes. I sim... I must go and have a word with Athri. It appears they've been holding out on me. Farewell, Nix. I'm sure we can talk again soon. But I have more questions about... everything. So when other people get held out on, they're allowed to dramatically storm away for a confrontation. But when I do it, I'm overreacting and being a menace to society. Hi. Um, hi. Are you Nick Ryland? I really like the result after I answer that question, but yeah, sure I am. Can I sit? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I've just been walking. Uh, I can't really sleep since, uh, I can't sleep. And I I kind of just ended up here. I've been trying to sleep upstairs. This guy, Ambrose, he offered me a bed. He, he, He said maybe I should talk to you? To me? Great. You're not here to, like, kill me or anything? Because if so, i really got to talk to him about giving out my information. He said you might be able to help me. Oh. Okay. I'm not sure how. I'm usually the one, you know, causing the problems. 
but I can try. I didn't think anyone could, or anyone would believe me before. I, I kind of convinced myself I was crazy. Like, I just dreamt it up. But my mom says I've been missing 19 years. And I mean, obviously, I haven't aged that much. So it must be true. Or I made it up to cover something even worse, which wouldn't be the first time. But uh, yeah, sorry. As you can probably tell, I haven't really slept much this week. Or month. Or ever. Why don't you tell me your name? Oh, yeah. Uh, that Yasmin. Yasmin Hakim. An office worker who's just absolutely exhausted. I mean, I don't exactly work in an office anymore. It's a bit difficult to get a job when you have an almost 20 year gap in your work history with no way to explain it. Oh, yeah, I guess. I'm sorry. It's been hard. Adjusting. I can't remember if it was always this bad. Everything elides. I can't imagine. Still, I'm glad I could help get you out. What? I'm not... I never ask you to read me out. You... Uh, what? I'm not here to thank you. I need you to put me back in. I don't understand. I need you to put me back inside that place I was in. Or write me a new one. I need to go back. But why? What's it like in there? It's quiet. It's dark. I was just asleep for years. Time passed strangely, long and instant at the same time. And when I came out, somehow the world had gotten even worse. I need, I need to go back to sleep. I need to be away from this body, this, this brain. I need to not think. I need to not be scared that I'll just stop existing at any moment. I need to not be afraid every day. I don't want to wake up until everything out here is less. I'd rather sleep through the end of the world have, than have to witness it. That's, um... I don't need you to tell me it's unhealthy. I just need you to do it. You read me out. I don't want it. Put me back. I'm... I'm sorry. I can't. You have to! No, I mean, I literally can't. I don't have that power. I don't write them. I don't know how. There's only one person who can, and they hate me. I just... I just do the reading. Who gave you that power? Who let you just read whatever you want and do whatever you want with my life? You are not a god. You're just a child. What am I supposed to do? 
I'm sorry. I wish I knew. I... A lot of the time, I want the world to go quiet. My thoughts are too loud and the world is just too much and I just want to stop existing for a while. I know how you feel, is what I mean. How do you deal with it? <laughs> oh no, you absolutely do not want to be taking tips from me. Very inadvisable, very slippery slope. Uh, but talking helps, you know? Walking, too. Um, which is good. And Ambrose. Ambrose is good. And I don't know, uh, when we find the author, when they stop doing all this shit from the shadows, then maybe they can help. The author. Right. Yes. Okay. That's... That's the person who did this to me. The, the person who hates you. Well, I think so, given how much they've tried to freak me out. But... Thank you. You've been helpful. I wish I could be more. Let me give you my number, and if you have any questions, if we find no, anything... No, that's okay. Uh, I, I still don't understand all the new technology. Just, uh, if, if you find this author... I'll be here. Well, I guess I kind of asked the universe for that. So, I met another monologue. She says she felt drawn to me, to a place she could find me. First Agatha, then Yasmin. Who knows how many of the people I've met recently have actually been monologues. Who knows how many more are going to find me? And how many more will be angry, or think I'm the easiest way to find the author? because I literally am the centre of the universe, apparently. Love that for me. So, talking to Yasmin got me thinking about the monologues. About their motives. About why people are inside them. Like, until now, I've been assuming they were, I don't know, some sort of punishment or just the author getting bored and playing with fate which in my defense is a pretty logical conclusion given what i've read but that doesn't really hold any water if i think about it for more than two seconds the author gave yasmin exactly what she wanted there was the sailor noah who was about to be consumed by the sea and Hester, who was being haunted by a forest. Maybe... Maybe some people wanted to be in monologues. Maybe some people asked. 
Maybe I sent them back to their fate. Uh, so, um, I'm going to try to reach out for a vibe. For a monologue that asked, but uh, that one that's safe now, or at least one who would want to leave now. Oh, there's got to be at least one. And, and if the universe doesn't want to make me like a murderer or whatever, it will let me read monologues that are safe. I... They have to believe that, you know? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Lionel Markham. A dedicated husband. My husband came to you a few days ago. From what I understand, you agreed to help him? Or you did not? And I must assume he is dead, for he has not been home. He had... You were our last resort. I would not have recommended this if he had any other option. I hope you take this the way I mean it. He must understand your methods. They are extreme. To disappear forever, potentially. To be uncertain you shall ever be free, ever see the sun again. But it is better than death. Noah was certainly marked for it. I suppose you know all of this. I suppose he told you. I'm here for a simple reason, so I shall not delay. I wish to employ your services, too. No, I know I am not in danger, nor do I pose a threat to you. I am not your usual fare. But, Noah, my husband, simply put, I cannot live without him. I cannot bear the idea of his being trapped while I'm expected to grow old. I cannot bear the idea of him one day being free, only to be alone. Perhaps it will not happen for fifty years, a hundred, a thousand. I do not know how you release people, how you know when it is safe. But I cannot allow for him to be alone in this world. From his perspective, it would be as if the entire world had died for him to live. He would lose me, our friends, this very world he knew. And perhaps it will not have worked. The sea will still come, and he will be drowned forever with the hungry deep. And his last hours will be spent in confusion. Even if he has to be taken. 
must be there for him. Until the end. I suppose you need a story from me? In order to have me. I... Well... I can tell you the story of me. And him. And what we made together. I was born in Trinovantum. That seems to be becoming a lesser occurrence these days. So many folks choosing to live outside and commute in. So many more stumbling upon it by accident. My family runs an apothecary in the raindrop market. We have been there for generations. I'm sure you've seen us at some point or another. Or maybe not. I do not know how often you visit the city. I have always thought I would spend my whole life in its pockets. And then I met Noah. He had stumbled in by accident through a door down by the docks that wasn't always there. Poor lad, he was so confused. He kept asking me to show him the trick, how the plants were moving on their own, how the potions were making shapes in their steam. I had to let him check over the whole store, up my sleeves, to prove that I was not a simple street charlatan. To reassure him that the things he had seen in the market through the door were not an illusion or his crumbling mind. After that, he needed a sit-down and a large glass of whiskey. I will be honest, I had avoided talking to people from London before this, so I knew very little of his world. It's so loud out there, and the people are so busy. The very air feels violent. Noah was different. Not quieter, definitely not less busy, but there was a gravity to him, a centering, a certainty. He knew who he was and what the world should be and what his place in it has always been. So rarely does one meet a person who knows themselves. As you can imagine, discovering that magic is real put a rather large spin on his stable world. Uh, but he... <laughs> he took it all in his stride once the shock wore off. Wanted to understand it all so he could understand his place in it. So he could be certain once more. Well, I, I just had to help him. I could hardly shatter his perceptions, only to leave him in the ruins. And I quite liked seeing my world through his eyes. Everything was a wonder to him. The simplest potion, the most basic charm. Magic made magic again. And in return, he, he showed me London. A little by little, coaxing me out of the market step by step. We walked by the river under the stars. We visited theatres and mundane markets. He showed me the docks, the boats, all his favourite places. 
when he had to return to the sea, I was there to see him off. We said nothing. Uh, life at sea being the risk it is, we were not sure. But I went to the harbour every morning to watch for his return. I remember that first time. The waiting nearly killed me. I kept dreaming that he was adrift. That storms had torn apart his ship he was sinking beneath the waves. It took me years, but eventually I made a wind chime to watch over him. Sea glass, driftwood, fish bones, all collected from the river shore, twined together with rope from his ship's rigging and strands of his hair. So whenever he was away, it would sway tell me he was okay. I found it on the floor last night. Pieces. When he came back from that first voyage, I was there. I bought him flowers. Isn't that ridiculous? We had never... I didn't know, but I felt they were fitting. And it was as if the sun had emerged from behind clouds. I thought, oh, and then I thought, oh no. And then when he ran to me and he kissed me, I thought, oh. We've been together ever since. A few years ago, I saw this beautiful copy of the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It was just perfect for Noah. His lucky charm, I called it. I do not know if it was the only hit that marked him, or the losing it. But I know it is what drew the attention of the one who waits below. Maybe we Erred it. To think any luck of our own purchasing was enough to save him. Maybe it thought us funny. Either way, I know it is my fault it came from my husband. If he had never met me, if I had never brought magic into his life, he began to have these screaming nightmares. I could not wake him from them. The water we drank always tasted of salt. The water we bathed in, too. The basement routinely flooded. We lived on the waterfront, so this was not entirely uncommon, but the frequency with which it was occurring. I knew the sea had finally started looking back. Of course, I had always known this risk. To give oneself to anything too completely is dangerous. To let it consume you. How long before something looks to fill that hollow? All this magic, all it is, is give and take. Identity and influence distilled into energy. 
but one always assumes that going too far is something that happens to other people until it happens to you. I could not convince him to stop going to the sea. It was too much inside of him already. There were tides in his blood, oceans in his eyes. He tasted of salt and seaweed and silt. All I could do was hold him. But I searched for a way to save him. Anyway, to sever the connection. And eventually, I remembered you. I think of stories and nightmares and perhaps our last chance. And you know the rest. I must thank you for saving my husband and for saving me. Think of me fondly when you reread me, will you? I know I must seem quite deranged and desperate. But ours is a story I will not allow to be a tragedy. I am sure you can understand that urge. I hope to see you on the other side. Oh God. I need to find him. Thank you so much for listening to the Attic Monologues. If you're enjoying our show, please consider supporting us through our Patreon or Ko-fi to help us compensate the hard work our team puts into every episode. You can find the links in the show notes below. Alternately, you can leave us a review, whisper to the wind, or tell enemies and love interests and friends alike to listen. This episode was written by Morgan Greensmith and produced by Morgan Greensmith, Ellen Clohesse, and Soren Briarwood. It was directed and script edited by Ellen Clohesse. The sound design is by Jira Leopold. And the theme tune was composed by Wilkie Morrison. In this episode, you had the voices of... Alistair Stewart as the author. Atlas Morgan as Nix Ryland. Drew Citrine as Raven. Zara Rajab as Yasmin Hakim. The logo was designed by Soren Brywood. The social media is also run by Soren Brywood. You can find us on Twitter at Attic Monologues and on Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook and TikTok at The Attic Monologues. For more information on our show, our crew, our policies and other shows made by our people, visit our website www.planaprod.com. Episode 30, A Drop of Water, will be out on January 3rd and will be our mid-season finale. See you then! Anyone?